Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, November 15th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining us. Man, do we have a lot to talk about, a lot to recap, a lot to discuss, if you will, following a memorable and outstanding drama-filled UFC 281 event, which went down this past Saturday at the Mecca, Madison Square Garden in New York. Like I said, if you join me on Saturday morning, we did like a little pop-up heck of a morning, just walking around the streets of New York Saturday morning when I got in ahead of the watch party. I just felt it. There was a buzz in the air that something special was going to happen. And I'm not saying that people were running the streets of MSG or New York City near MSG just chanting UFC or talking about the fight. You could just smell that something special was going to happen. And man, oh man, did it deliver in spades on Saturday in the NYC. We have two new champions, Zhang Wei Li submits Carlos Barza in the second round in a fight that honestly was... It ended in the second round, only took six or so minutes, but it actually was a little more competitive than most thought it was. And then, of course, in the main event, another come-from-behind, last-round finish to crown a new champion. Alex Pereira stops Israel Adesanya in the fifth round to win the middleweight title. Holy crap. What a moment for Alex Pereira. A lot of people still talking about whether or not the stoppage was a good one or not. I have no issue with it, but if you want to say that Adesanya should have, or that he essentially earned the right to get knocked unconscious, I'm not going to argue with you because Izzy himself feels the same way, although he doesn't have a huge issue with the stoppage after talking to his team. But if you feel like Adesanya should have taken some more punishment, 
at this point in his career after everything he's accomplished? I'm not going to argue with you. But to me, at the moment, I was okay with the stoppage. We have a new champion. Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler, absolutely ridiculous fight. Chris Gutierrez knocks out Frankie Edgar, sends him into retirement with just a brutal knockout loss. Dan Hooker back on track, stops Claudio Poyas in the second round. Prelims were incredible. Great performances from Hanato Moicano, Ryan Spann. Speaking of sad knockout endings, Dominic Reyes gets knocked out for the third straight fight. He's now 0-4 in his last four. Big performance for Aaron Blanchfield against Molly McCann. Hindsight, people think it's a terrible booking. I actually had no issue with it. I thought the booking was fantastic and it served its purpose. Good wins for Andre Petrosky, Matt Fribola, Karolina Kovalkiewicz. A little bit of craziness with the commission during the Kovalkiewicz-Silvania Gomez-Juarez fight with the scoring, but I thought the right fighter won. Mike Trezano, Sungwoo Choi, forgotten in the aftermath of all this. is one of the craziest rounds of the year. Trezano gets the big win. Montel Jackson back on track. Carlos Ulberg starts the card off with the big knockout about – little under four minutes in, into the fight. So a lot to talk about. We could recap. A lot of people had matchmaking suggestions, especially at the middleweight division. Do we run this one back? Do we not run it back? What do we do? So we'll open up the lines and we'll let you guys discuss that. And I also want to say before we, we do that, big shout out and thank you to everyone who Checked out the UFC 281 watch party with myself and GC. We had an absolute blast, and it's just amazing to, to hear the feedback and see the feedback from it. A lot of people were watching while the broadcast is going on. People were checking in and out throughout the card at different points, and a lot of people have been watching after the fact. They watched it live, and then they've gone back to actually watch the watch party afterwards just to, to relive it through our eyes. And that's pretty damn cool. So I don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully we continue to do these. It, this is an important one for us because the first one went over so well. You have to prove that it's not a fluke. And then the viewership, the feedback was actually better the second time around. And one is might be a fluke. Two is a trend. And I feel like we got something on our hands here. I feel like, it's just a different kind of watch along different kind of watch party than most. And we're focused on the fights and you're basically, we're basically doing the same thing. We're watching the fights and reacting to them as they happen. We're not going off on tangents about politics or any other thing going on in the world. We're just focusing on the fights and being fight fans for those few hours and really appreciate everybody coming through and, and joining the fun, whether it was during or, or after the fact. So let's get to you guys. This is your show the whole way. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Double A got right in, right in line. So let's see what he has to say about UFC 281. Double A, hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Um, first, bef- before um, before I start my, um, I guess my comments and questions, I just want to say a quick um, rest in peace to Rumble. Man, that's just that's dev- that was devastating news, man. Su- sucks. This, you know, he, he was too young. Too young. Um, okay, I really enjoyed that card, man. That was insane, as you said. Um, I lost my voice after, for briefly after the main event. Um, I, I was I back like I said, um, I backed Alex when I during one of the spaces, but I'm 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 
upset for Izzy as well, in a way, because I do respect him. My question is, um, what do we do with Dan Hooker now? Um, he's got, got another win back, but like his last two wins have been against unranked opponents. So I'm just curious what they th- what do you think they do with Dan Hooker now? All right. Have a heck of a morning, and everyone have a great day. You're all awesome. Peace. Thanks, man. So on, on to the next one, I suggested we do the Dan Hooker versus Grant Dawson fight. I know Dan Hooker fans are not going to love that idea too much, but like I said on Saturday, I feel like Dan Hooker – is sort of in the Neil Magny spot at 155. And again, no disrespect. There's nothing wrong with that. Neil Magny is the man. And Dan Hooker has a lot of Neil Magny tendencies where he doesn't care who he fights. He wants the toughest competition possible. And I don't want to see Grant Dawson, Tony Ferguson, but I think Grant Dawson versus Dan Hooker would serve the same kind of purpose. And it would be a really interesting fight because Dan will just fight him and not care. Uh, I'd like to see that one in Perth. Give Dan some shine, give him that hometown fight, and let's see what Grant Dawson could do against a guy like that. So I'm uh, I'm cool with that. Yeah, the Rumble news, man. Oh, man. So I'm sitting there at the airport on Sunday. My flight got delayed like three or four times. And just sitting there watching the Buffalo Bills-Minnesota Vikings game, and I go on Twitter and I start to see – all the tweets, RIP Rumble Johnson and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, really? Are you kidding me? 38 years old, is this, is this real? So of course, I reach out to people. We confirm it a little while later. And yeah, I mean, like, like Ariel said yesterday, you can't just confirm this news with one person. You have to confirm it with multiple people. So I confirmed it with three people. Damon had confirmed it with multiple people as well. And man, just so sad. Just sad news. I remember one conversation in particular. Like I, I've, I've only talked to Rumble twice. Once was maybe in like 2016 when I was just getting going. Uh, I was doing some stuff with the UFC with my radio career. So when they had big fights coming up, we would get certain fighters, they would reach out and they wanted to get different play in terms of coverage and who was talking about the card. So I had reached out a few months prior and I was like, I'd like to get on this list if possible. And then we ended up getting it, making it happen. They were working with a a PR firm at the time. So I got to talk to Rumble before the second fight with Daniel Cormier. And it was just a great conversation. And then he retired afterwards. And I remember talking to Neil Melanson, who was one of his coaches at the time, like right after he retired, I think it was like two days after that DC fight. And Neil was talking about Anthony and his preparation and just what kind of guy he was. And then he comes back and I got to talk to him a little bit before that fight with Jose Augusto for Bellator, because it was supposed to be Yoel Romero. And then he had that crazy fight with, with Augusto. He gets dropped in the first round, comes back and finishes him in the second. And just listening to him react to everything afterwards after the long layoff and everything and just where his head was at. Just a, just a good dude, man. I mean, it's just unbelievable stuff. Such a ferocious fighter. One of those guys that we always talked about when it came to weight cutting and stuff. He's, he's the first guy that comes up because you're just like, how did this guy ever make 170 pounds? And he was just must must watch TV. He was just must watch TV. Just so dangerous. 
And then he was doing it at what he did fights at 185, couldn't make the weight. He was just so big. Went up to heavyweight, kind of found a home at 205. And I feel like that if he fought anybody else but Daniel Cormier for the belt, he had a really good chance to win and, and become a champion. So just very sad stuff. Anthony Johnson, just 38 years of age, passes away. I know there's different reports out there as to why. I know Rumble's just the kind of guy that wasn't going to tell anybody about how dire his health situation was. Because even with the people I confirmed with, I was trying to figure out what happened. Because, you know, again, you don't want to get the stuff wrong. And most people just said, look, it's not my place to say. And essentially, I was told the health issues he was dealing with had something to do with it. But that's why they, they couldn't say, it. because if he's not going to talk about it, they felt like they weren't in positions to talk about it either. Just dealing with with that and and just kind of making sure his wishes are sort of met. Because if he's not going to talk about it and didn't want anybody to, to feel bad for him or pity him, they felt like they weren't in the position to do the same. So that's just the kind of guy that, that Anthony Johnson was. So 38 years of age, rest in peace. Just getting that news after such a memorable UFC event. It was just a, an emotional weekend. That's for sure. So RIP to the great Rumble Johnson. Let's go to four-quarter hey, sports. Morning, Mike. Tough to transition after that, man, but thank you. How good, are you? Good, good. Rest in peace, Rumble Johnson. That man struck fear into so many fighters. I mean, from my fondest memory of him is when he ended up knocking out Glover, and that was a scary knockout. Yeah. But um, I wanted to talk to you about the main event. The I don't know. I, I don't know, Mike. I just feel like that there are some people that just have somebody else's number. And I think with Alex Pereira, he just simply has the number of Israel Adesanya. All right. If I want to transition transition this into a different sport, it's like the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees. So the Astros have the Yankees number. Israel Adesanya is like the Yankees. And Alex Pereira is like the Houston Astros. Whatever Israel Adesanya can do, it's not going to be enough, If I feel like, to get over the hump to defeat Alex Pereira. And I think the... Maybe the difference of the of eight ounce difference from twelve to four ounces because that's what they put in uh, glory. Maybe he felt a sting in it. I don't know what it is, or maybe it was just a mental factor. But I just think that even in a rematch, I think it might be a similar outcome. If not, maybe Pereira is gonna improve a lot more and he'll get him out there a lot earlier. Um, I don't know what was your opinion on that. And then lastly, what was your opinion on the Hanato Maikano call out? I think it was fabulous. So, all right, thanks, Mike. Have a good one. So, I mean, the Moicano thing was incredible. That promo was unbelievable. That's that's how to use your mic time. I'm sure the UFC wasn't overly thrilled with him because they were on ESPN News at the time, and he's just dropping F-bombs every third word. And it was like, I remember when I was a kid, like, White Men Can't Jump came out, the movie, and people were, like, adding up how many vulgar words were said in that. This was, like, the 2022 version. It was just unbelievable. Uh, love the promo. It was fantastic. Joe Rogan just handled it very well. And just as much as he wanted to try to get the mic away from him, Joe understood you can't. You just got to let this man go and do his thing. A-plus night for Hanata Moicano. And it's almost like like a lot of the names you talk about outside of the main card, it's just almost like it was forgotten with everything that happened on the main card. As far as the, the had his number thing or have his number thing, 
there might be truth to that. We just don't, we just don't know. I mean, we have the sample size that we've seen. And again, the stoppage kind of questionable in a lot of people's eyes. And I thought Izzy looked, looked really good in that fight. The fight was playing out the way I thought it was going to go, where Pereira is going to land on him. There's no way it wasn't going to happen, but I didn't think, I think Adesanya's defense is going to be enough to make sure he wasn't hit clean. And through four rounds, he wasn't. Like, he wasn't hit 100% with, with any of the big shots that Pereira was throwing. But what Pereira was doing very well throughout the fight is he was landing leg kicks. And they were starting to add up. And if you go back and watch it, you can see it taking its toll. But Adesanya just was, was able to check some of those. And what a lot of people aren't talking about in the, the finishing sequence was Pereira's leg kicks were so valuable in that fifth round. He was drilling Adesanya with those. And he hit one in particular right before the closing sequence. And it really got to Izzy. And you could see it in his eyes. And then he started lighting him up with those big shots. And then Mark Goddard gave him chances. And he felt Adesanya wasn't intelligently defending himself. And that's it. Pereira wins the title. And I don't know. I don't know if he has his number or not. That was one question we brought up in the, po- in the preview show was... Is there something there? Is this, a, is this the kind of thing for Adesanya where if he just can't beat this guy, is he going to be okay with that? And I don't know. And I give Adesanya a lot of credit. I think he's handled it so well. Goes on the MA hour, does an hour with Ariel. Just amazing stuff. And we'll see what happens. I would like to see them just run it right back. I feel like the way things are lining up, it makes sense. I'd like to give Adesanya some time. But again, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe the UFC can't get the Hamza Chemaev colby Covington fight put together. Who knows? But if we're not going to go right to this Adesanya well, you could do that. But I don't know. It just seems really risky to do that fight and then lose out on the big business that an Adesanya rematch will certainly get because it'll be gigantic. And I know some people are like, well, he's 3-0 against him. There's no need for a rematch. I don't agree. I don't agree. Now, if Pereira goes out there and just deads him in the first round, I take your argument for sure. But with the way the fight went out, Adesanya was literally three minutes away from defending his title successfully and getting the win back, getting one of those wins back. I think you got to do it again because there's still questions. There's still questions. We didn't get a ton of answers. So I'm cool if they run it back. I think it's a gigantic fight if the UFC does it. But who knows? Maybe Adesanya wants to take like an extended amount of time off. We got Whitaker Costa fighting in February. And by the time that fight ends, who knows? It'll be three, four months from now. But if the UFC could book that May, June, July, that rematch, I think the timing works out good. But any, anything later than that, if we go past International Fight Week and that one's not on the books, the UFC might go a different direction and, and hope that they can come back to it. But what a crazy fight. What a crazy night. Just the, everything was just absolutely ridiculous. This was way better than 280, that's for sure. 280 wasn't a horrible card. I think the expectations were lofty and a little too high, but this one just over-exceeded expectations. Anderson, hello. Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning to you, man. It was, it was real hard to see my boy Frankie go out that horrible, but that was kind of how I expected it might go. And 
that's just is what it is. Otherwise the card was great. Um, just so many great finishes and, and the fights leading up to the finishes were really good too. Even, even the hooker fight was like just so strange that it was interesting. But one thing I wanted to just mention and the Moicano post fight, like interview really brought this up to me. I think was that those post fight like times when the fighters are on the mic is some of the best stuff of the whole cards and some of the most memorable things. And it feels like the UFC is always trying to rush people off the mic, like whether they don't want the winners to have the mic for that long, or they don't want to talk to the loser at all. And they just want to go to the commercial break. I feel like that's some of the best stuff on cards. And do you think there's any chance that the UFC would just start giving fighters more time to talk and maybe even give them some time to talk before the fights, like a, like a, like a beginning of like a wrestling segment, you know, because like we've seen it in wrestling, that stuff, like that's what gets the fans fired up. And it would be so interesting. Like, what are they going to say before the fight? Like, what are they going to say after? And these days doesn't really happen that much. So, all right. Just wanted to see what you thought about that. Otherwise great card. Um, I don't think they'll do the pre-fight stuff because honestly, there's just so much pre-fight stuff already that it's, you've already heard from everybody, the media days that take like five hours and then the press conferences and all that stuff. I don't think we'll do it anymore. Um, uh, I don't think they'll do like pre-fight stuff like backstage segments before they come out. I, I'm not a huge fan of those because I just don't think you need them. I just don't think you need them. And I don't know what they're going to do after the fact. I mean, it, it actually worked out for Moicano great that there was still 15 minutes before the top of the hour. So you could just let this guy, like I, like I was saying, it was almost like Moicano became a guest on Joe Rogan's podcast because he, it was just the moment he had all that time. And Rogan even understood that they were in no hurry because the next thing is the main card. So they have all this extra time and kudos to Moicano for taking advantage of that. But yeah, I think it's just going to be the usual thing. And I got to say, Rogan's, Rogan's been doing a better job of, of asking questions. It's not just the same fluffy stuff. You know, give us your thoughts on this. Give us your thoughts on that. If something weird happens, Rogan's asking about it. He's, he's doing a great job with that. I actually thought I didn't, ha- I didn't listen to the commentary very closely because we're doing the damn watch party. But from what I saw, I thought both guys – I mean – there are little things you could pick apart, like DC not getting Sylvania Gomez Juarez's name right, or, or or things like that, and Rogan continuously saying Pereira's MMA record wrong or how many fights he had wrong. But other than that, in terms of the actual commentary, I thought they did a great job. This is one of their better outings. I could hear it like a little bit in the background because we have it on in, in the earpiece, but it's just. It's just, it's really background noise for me, but I thought overall they did a good job. Rogan's doing a much better job with the questions. So yeah, good stuff. Good, good for Moicano taking advantage of the time. And yeah, I'm, I don't think we need uh, any of the pre-fight stuff. I think it's just, let's go. Let's get to the next fight. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world 
including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, hello. What's up? So, other than that, this card was a great card to be like Rob Lowe at an NFL game. Just sit there with a cap that just says UFC and just uh, say, go league. Um, so, so many interesting things happen. So I have two things I want to talk about. Firstly, I don't think anyone would complain about this stoppage if it wasn't. I think Adesanya is the single person where people would react, react like this because there was no controversy. He was hunched over, arms down towards the mat, head down towards the mat. Not even, I mean, that's not just not a defensive position in any shape, way, shape or form. So I really don't see the controversy and I, and uh, the power of Helwani also magnifies this because he thinks it's premature. And then everyone starts piling in and uh, taking the side uh, of him as well. So that's one thing. And the other uh, is, so I'm going to challenge you a bit. And the challenge is, you know, you said it was a perfect matchup between Meatball, Molly McCann, and uh, uh, Blanchfield. And so I want you to keep that same energy. And let's, I'm assuming a lot here, but bear with me. Assuming that Patty Pimplett beats Jared Gordon in spectacular fashion, like uh, the spinning elbow that Meatball Molly McCann did in the fight before, assuming he does that, who is the win-win scenario fight at that point? My thought is probably Grant Dawson, uh, but I just want to see if you can say young up-and-comer who can do the same as Blanchfield just did with Meatball Mulligan Ken. Love your more work, man. Have a good, uh, have a good Tuesday. Thanks, man. So, yeah, the stoppage thing, I, listen, I get it. I, I get it. Like I said... On Saturday, and I've said ever since, I don't have an issue with the stoppage. I think the stoppage is fine. Could could there be an argument made? Goddard could have let him go, sure, but I don't. It, I, I'm not going to make that argument. I'm I'm fine with the stoppage. The body language to me was was just bad. It was just bad body language. It was a guy that was 
was just about done. That's that's what the body language screamed to me. Was it was it a guy who was intelligently defending himself? And I know some people look at it differently. The way Adesanya sort of presented it, I was just waiting for him to gas out so I could turn it on. I get it. I get it. If you have an issue with it, that's fine. Me, I didn't have an issue with it. He was just getting blasted, and I feel like had Goddard let him go a few more, he was going to sleep. He was going unconscious because that barrage was not going to stop. It was just going to get worse. Maybe he lands a flying knee up the middle, and we see what happens. It was just, it was just bad, man. Like it's, it just would have gotten bad, in my opinion. But again, it's hindsight. We don't know. The Blanchfield Molly thing. I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. If we're talking Patty, I don't think it's Grant. I think it's Jalen Turner. I think Jalen Turner would be the one because I think people see how talented this guy is. I don't think any of the top 10 guys are going to be rushing to fight this guy. So I just feel like this would be the best case scenario for him. If Patty beats Jared Gordon, which is going to be a tough fight for him. It's going to be a tough fight for him. And if he wins and I start to think, okay, maybe this guy's better than I thought. And then we'll give him an opportunity like that. And again, if Jalen wins, he's expected to win. And he goes on and gets the rub. And if Patty loses, like, it's not the end of the world. Like, he could just go back to doing what he does and be a popular guy who gets wins. There's nothing wrong with that. You can make a great living doing that. You can make a tremendous living doing that. I heard Ariel specifically disagree with my take that this is perfect matchmaking. And I think he's looking at it more, and I don't think he loved it from the beginning. I think in hindsight, people think it's, it was just a way worse matchup. But here's the thing. There's a difference between Patty and Molly. And what I mean by that is Molly's in a division where there's just not a ton of fighters. There's like 30 of them, if that. Maybe 32. But lightweight is just, I mean, there's 80, 90 guys. So it's the build for Patty, you can take a longer time. You can't really do that with Molly. Like you, it's it's kind of it was kind of shit or get off the pot. And I know Ariel Singh was like, oh, you can't stop this momentum now. This is bad matchmaking. This should have been a fight to build to, to the UK. I don't agree with that. I don't agree. You only had a short amount of time to make this Molly thing happen. And if Molly had come out there and knocked out Aaron Blanchfield in the first round, she's fighting like a top five fighter next. At worst, she might even get a title shot with Valentina. So the, what could have come from a win was gigantic, but a loss doesn't hurt her that much because, one, she wasn't expected to win the fight in the first place. Two, Aaron Blanchfield needed to be in somebody who was going to push her, talk a little smack, put her in a big spot and see how she reacts to the pressure which she did very well. And three, if Aaron Blanchfield goes out there, did exactly what she did on Saturday, the conversation changes. Now, Tristan comes on the show all the time, and I'll probably go to him next. And we talk about how good Aaron Blanchfield is. The hardcores understood how good she was. But the casual audience, the fans who check in from time to time, they know who Molly is. They had no idea who Aaron Blanchfield was. And even that members of the media were slowing, kind of pumping the brakes on Aaron Blanchfield. AK talked about it all the time. She's 23. Let's just see what she could do. Let's pump the brakes on her a little bit. And then she goes out and has a performance like that. And what was the constant thing everybody said? Erin Blanchfield's legit. She's for real. And it's because she beat Molly McCann. And it was just the momentum that Molly had. Now, let's be clear. Let's go back, in, let's go back into time during this run for Molly. 
Timing was beautiful. It all worked out great, timing-wise. The momentum was a snowball. But let's look at who she beat. She beat the two worst fighters in this division. I don't mean this to be a jerk. I'm just telling you how it is. Luana Carolina and Hannah Goldie are not world beaters. These are two fighters who are never going to be ranked that are probably a loss away from being released from the company. But they served their purpose because they got Molly over. How are you going to slow roll her? You're going to get like, there's no, you can't slow roll her anymore because there's not enough fighters in this division. So you have to throw her in against a step up and you have to throw her in against a step up against somebody who needs the rub more than anybody. And that to me was Erin Blanchfield. She had questions that needed to be answered in a lot of people's eyes. And even though Molly beat two of the not great fighters in the division, people knew who she was and they thought she was a really good fighter. So her getting that win meant was just huge. And for Molly, she just goes back and goes back to the UK and she fights somebody that won a contract on the contender series or lost on the contender series. Like, and she still looks like a massive star, but now we know that Molly's not fighting for the title or anything like that. And that's okay. Because at least in my eyes, I didn't think she was going to get there anyways. Not because it, it, that's just it. She's just not, Molly's a good fighter and she's a tremendous personality. She's one of my favorite people to watch in the sport from a fighting perspective, from a media perspective, she is awesome. She's great, but she's not a she's not going to win a title. She's not going to win a title. And if you had if she beat if she beat Aaron Blanchfield, the UFC would have pushed her to that spot like almost immediately because they understand that the time frame is limited. You only have a certain amount of time because eventually somebody in the top ten is going to beat her. So you might as well make it worth the while and get somebody over that needs it which is why I love the matchup for the UFC. It was a win-win. It doesn't hurt Molly at all from a UFC perspective, because they're going to go back in April or March to the UK. And she's going to go on that card against someone she's heavily favored over. And she's going to win. And the crowd is going to go insane. And she's going to come back and look like a star. And we're just going to be like, Molly's just great. Let's just watch her fight. She's not going to fight for a title. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And I feel like they could do the same with Patty. They've given him a step up with Jared Gordon, but if he beats Jared, if he goes out there and beats Jared or if he goes out there and finishes Jared Gordon, that's a good win. That's a good win against like a top 30 guy. Now, at that point, you have to give him the same kind of treatment. You're taking steps forward, so now we got to see if this guy's for real. So throw him in there with the Jalen Turner. And if he beats Jalen, you're like, all right, we got something here. Like, we have something here. You keep him away from the Sarukians and the Gamrots of the world. You throw him in there with Jalen, and if Jalen wins, he gets the same rub that Aaron's getting right, right now. And that's fine. And if he loses, so what? It's not a big deal. Molly can still fight at MSG against somebody now moving forward. It's okay. We, just, we now we had questions. The question is answered. She's not going to be a title contender. And again, that's fine. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And she's going to do just fine and make a bunch of money and still be a star. She's a value. She's a valuable piece to this puzzle. So she doesn't need to fight for belts. She's one of those fighters that, has come to the, that is coming to the forefront that doesn't need to fight for titles. She's popular no matter what. And eventually she's going to get popular outside of the sport too, venturing into different things. She's got a bright future ahead of her, especially from a financial side. 
She's still going to be mega popular. But she doesn't need to fight Valentina. And that's okay. That's totally fine. Let's go to Tristan. Hello, Tristan. How's everything? Um, before, Good. Uh, before we begin, I do, I do want to send my condolences to uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson and his family. I was, it took me some time to shake that off, man, because he was so good and such a great guy. So my condolences to him. Um, as far as observations for the fight, um, we saw with Izzy. He was talking about the leg kicks a lot, and that's what really – I think it stopped his movement. So he couldn't, he couldn't be elusive as he wanted to be and then counter off of it. That's why he was backing up, and then you just started seeing him couldn't move right because of the uh, the leg kicks that was uh, given by um, Pierre. So, you know, it happens, and I think he's listen, – listen, when the rematch is put back together, um, he's going to take some time off deal with some injuries. I, I think he's going to be back better than ever. So not too worried about Izzy. I think he's going to be fine. Um, also, too, want to talk a couple of observations here. Erin Blanfield, she's everything that we thought she was, and she proved it against Molly. Um, and she did what I wanted her to do and got in there and did not mess around, went right to her strengths, got her down, crucifix position, fight's over. And that's how that's how you're going to be dominant, you know, and that's how you're going to just be better from it, you know. And, you know, she said she wants a main event. She needs to experience five rounds. So I'm really, really happy for her. I'm really, really, really think that she could be something here um, in a couple of years. The only the, – the trepidation now comes in. I think I did text – I texted you this about Tatiana Suarez coming back. Um, she, like, uh, she had posted somebody at Axel when she'll be back. She's already contacted UFC. Say I want, I don't, I want to fight and uh, book me a uh, an opponent. She said that she will fight um, someone at flyweight for her first fight back. Now we have to see what condition Tatiana Sora is. If she fights somebody at uh, gets an opponent at the flyweight division, and she feels good, she's going to stay at flyweight. That's the concern because Tatiana Sora, if she looks good in her first fight back and she's dominant she picks up where she left off. That's where I get, that's where it's going to be a little tricky. Cause if Aaron, if Aaron Blanchard fights Tatiana Suarez, that's going to, that's going to be tricky because we're probably might see who's the best grappler in that division. I really hope that she does go back to back down to straw weight. Cause if she goes back down straw weight, I think she's going to, she's going to rise. She needs about maybe one or two fights and she's back into the, um, back into the uh, championship picture at that point. But again, trepidation here. We got to see how she comes back from injury. If she's going to be the same fighter, if she is, then all you know, then it's going to be very interesting how that you know whatever division she's in, either she's strawweight or flyweight, how that's going to work out and play itself out. So we'll see. You know, we'll see with that. Another observation too that was very interesting. Brad Riddell, um, you saw the post. He's going to take a step, break away. Something was off with him in that fight. I did not like his body language when he was getting hit and pieced up. And I knew something was wrong. He, and he looked like this past fights. He looked like this, I think, with the, uh, with the physique fight, the Jalen Turner fight. It was just the body language was off. I knew something mentally or something was wrong there. It was surprising, you know. So, um, Mike, you know, just all your thoughts. It was a great card. I loved everything about it. Also, too, Renato Moncano. 
people forget how good Mokano is. People, you know, I know the loss with TK, the, the Korean Zombie, the RDA fight. I know people were just like, ah, is he okay? Is he not? But that guy, what he proved, he looked phenomenal. Man. He looked like he's a player in this lightweight division. I'm not sleeping on that guy, and he's already ranked. So watch out for Mokano, man. He's going to be dangerous. This lightweight division, Mike, gets better and better every time. It's unbelievable. This is why the lightweight division is the cream of the crop. It just gets better and better at every moment. So, Mike, your thoughts on everything I just said. Have a heck of a morning. Be safe out there, everybody. And uh, thanks. Yeah, A-plus night for Moicano. A-plus night. Moicano, and, and I talked about this in the post-fight show, to me, Moicano is, I don't know if, like, like, like I said, I don't know if overachiever is the right word, but, I mean, he kind of is overachieving. Dude's good. Dude's real good, and I agree with Riddell taking some time off because I'm with you. He just didn't look right from Jump Street, and he didn't even try to to defend the finish at all. And, yeah, I think that's probably the best thing for him. With the Suarez thing, I don't know. I, I would keep her and Blanchfield far away from each other, at least for now. If she's going to fight at 125, I think Cynthia Calvillo would be a pretty good choice, honestly. Because Calvillo will test her grappling a little bit, and I think Suarez would probably win that fight, probably finish her. Um, but Cynthia still kind of has somewhat of a name, so I like that idea. You could do that. You could do Araujo. There's there's plenty of ways to go. I wouldn't do Blanchfield. That'd be that's a terrible idea. I don't like that idea at all. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see who she fights and when she fights. All right. Let's go to Viking, and then we'll go to Mikey. We'll get to everybody that's waiting, I, I promise. I know everybody has a, a lot to say. Viking, hello. Viking. Hey, Mike, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. It was it was good to see your reaction on the Adesarian Pereira fight. Leave that. I just want to talk about the people who think that Islam and Hamzat is going to fight. And we are Muslim brothers and we don't fight with each other over a belt. So, and we are cool. So that's not, that's not going to happen. And that's it. And just pray for my cat. He's in a trouble. All of, all of you guys. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I don't think Islam and Hamzad are going to fight. And if they are going to fight, it's not going to be anytime soon. Um, but no, I, I don't think that fight happens. Of course, we found out Islam, Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky, officially official for UFC 284. And, I mean, it was going to happen anyways, no matter what the result was at UFC 281. But now that Adesanya lost... It's already set up, number one versus number two, pound for pound. And that's the way the UFC was going to do it anyways. Even if Adesanya beat Pereira, they were still going to bump up Makachev by the time that fight, yeah, that fight happened. But, yeah, I think – and then Hamzad is uh, – who knows? He's either going to fight Colby or he's going to fight Pereira I, I, in a lot of people's eyes. I don't know. But Dana even said again at the, at the press conference – Oh, that press conference was just brutal, by the way. I don't know if you guys 
stayed up and watched that as it was happening live. But golly, was that one of the all-time worst. It was so bad. God, it was so bad. Again, let me just uh, let me just throw this out there to the aspiring media members. I know it is uh, a goal of yours, if you are an aspiring media member, to someday get credentialed by the UFC and cover an event. And if that happens for you, I will celebrate your victory. But again, here's my advice. Just because you're there doesn't mean you have to have a microphone. Does not mean you have to ask a question. And we'll go watch that Dana White scrum and you will understand where I'm coming from. Because there are certain people who are just like, well, I'm there. I have to ask a question. I got to hear my voice on, t- on the stream. No, you don't. Especially if the question's been asked four times already. Stop doing that. And then that one dude with uh, the back and forth about Stipe and the heavyweight division. Like, dude, we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about UFC 281. Enough is enough. Dane addressed it. Enough. Ugh, it's just brutal. I was going to do the post-fight show from the studio. And I'm just sitting there for an hour and a half waiting. And I'm just like, no, I'm just going to go back to the hotel and do it because this is ridiculous. Again, just because you're there does not mean you have to ask questions. Someone takes your question and you got nothing else, just don't ask a question. It's already been answered. Let's move this baby along a little bit. Holy cow. They're just getting worse, man. They're just getting worse. Mikey, hello. So it's going to be quick. Well, not quick. It's going to be long. But um, first of all, the alternate universe where John Jones and Rumble Johnson fought, man, what could have been, huh? Um, two, uh, give me Dan Hooker versus Justin Gaethje or Hanato Moicano. Um, as for Michael Chandler, please bring back Eddie Alvarez. I need the trilogy. Um, as for Mo- as for Molly McCann, Aaron Blanchfield, that can- that's been talked to death. It should be easy for everyone to decipher how that matchup got made. Helwani has no idea what he's talking about. Just... The UFC needs mid-card stars. Molly McCann's a mid-card star. They tried to promote her. She, you can have her with all these fight night cards that they have. They can have her main event, stuff like that. Um, the f- stoppage was fine and Izzy. I, if you get it gone longer, that's fine. Both thoughts can exist. I don't need the rematch, but it, you know, it's like the thing with Leon and Kamaru. I don't need the rematch because there was a definitive finish, but if it happens, that's fine too, I guess. Um, if, if Glover loses to Yuri, I would like to see... Uh, Pereira fight Yuri Prohoshka, but that would uh, might be too soon to call. Um, the featherweight interim title fight at 284 is dumb. Uh, and Dustin Poirier should get a title shot because the guy he last lost to no longer has the belt. And um, people need to stop pretending that they don't want to see him fight Islam Akachev, even if they think he's going to lose. Who cares? He's one of the best lightweights of all time. He deserves another shot. Anyways, that'll be all. Great fight week to you guys. Have a good one. A lot to unpack there. Um, let me see what stands out. Yeah, Chandler Alvarez would be awesome if they could do it. I mean, I, with Chandler, it's I think he's out of the – I mean, he's not out of the title picture, but he's far away from being in the title picture because I just think the UFC likes Chandler so much and he's never going to be completely out of it. But listen, he's a he's a big fight dude. Guy's good on the mic. He sells his ass off, and all of his fights are insane. So 
yeah, if they do Alvarez, I'm cool with that. If they do Connor, I'm cool with that. But no Oliveira, none of that stuff. Poirier, I wouldn't give a title shot to yet. I, I like the him versus Benil Dariush fight. That makes perfect sense to me. Do that. That should have been on Perth. I do agree. I, I don't agree. I don't know what you said. Maybe you're just saying that having the interim featherweight title fight on the Perth card is dumb. If you're saying that, then I completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. If the idea of having a featherweight title, interim title fight is dumb, I don't agree with you there. I just, I don't think it needed to be on this Perth card because it takes away from Volk. It just, it's an elephant in the room that doesn't need to be there. You could have done this March on the March 4th card or whenever. I just don't like it there. And I feel like they, they kind of botched an opportunity with getting Arnold Allen in there. And again, like I'm, I, I think the two guys there are fine, but what's more interesting? Yair versus Josh on a card that the current featherweight champion is fighting the lightweight champion for the lightweight title or doing Arnold Allen in the interim title fight in the UK to get a massive pop from the crowd. I think you should just wait a month and threw him in there, but I don't, I'm fine that we at least have an interim title fight on the books. Just being on that card makes literally no sense. Not a fan of it, but the fight's happening again. It's an elephant in the room. I'd rather see Poirier, versus Benny on that card instead of the interim title fight card. But who knows? Maybe we'll get maybe we'll get all of those things. I don't know. The stoppage thing, I agree with you. I, I there's there's not a real argument. What's the other thing you said? Pereira moving up to two oh five to fight year. Okay. I like that idea, but only if Pereira vacates the middleweight title. I like the idea. Pereira vacates and says, screw it. I'm done. Izzy, thanks for the cheese, bro. I'm out of here. I'm going to fight for the light heavyweight title. That's my weight. You guys fight it out for this one that I already won. I've proven myself. I don't need to do anything else here. I'm cool with it. But if he goes up before defending the title to fight Yuri, not a fan of it. Not a fan of it. But if he wants to just dump the belt and go up, cool. I watched the hell out of that fight. I think everybody would too, but you don't need to be the champion while you do it. You could just, it's a gangster move to vacate and move up and do it. In my opinion, there are other things, but we will move on. Zeke. Hello, Mike. What's going on, man? Uh, a little upset because I said Frank Edward was going to get it done in one. And while I quite frankly, literally ate my words, um, with that being said, I'm still mentally and emotionally recovering from that. Uh, the main event was awesome. My question to you is who was licking their chops more watching the main event? Was it the Boers, Hamza Chumayev, watching Israel Adesanya take down Pereira, control him, hold his wrist, and keep him in that position? Or was it Robert Whitaker with newfound life at 185? Mike, I hope you have a good morning. Hmm. Probably Whitaker. Probably Whitaker. I mean, I'm sure Shabayev was like, okay, I could beat this guy. And I think he probably could have beat him anyways, but 
Yeah, I think both of them are probably like, all right, cool. Like, you know, Whitaker is because he's like, now I can get another shot at the belt. Or I don't know. I know there's a part of him that just wants to fight out of Sanya again. But getting back to the belt, he's he's got a path and he's got a chance to beat the champion right now. Of course, he's got Paulo Costa potentially in front of him. I know Paulo's been saying, eh, maybe, maybe slow your roll on that fight happening. But yeah, I think both guys are right. And then the Frankie thing was just rough. Um, I know MMA fighting posted the clip of us reacting to that. That was that was just it was tough to watch, man. It's tough to watch. I I picked Gutierrez to win. I thought the fight would be a lot more crazy. I thought it would last a lot longer than it did. I didn't think Gutierrez was going to get him out of there in the first like that. But Chris looked good. The the movement was great. He looked big. He looked athletic, and he was just ready to go. And I didn't think there was really any way he could get over with this win. Cause I, I, I was against, I was kind of against the booking to start. Cause I was like, I just don't know if Gutierrez, if there's anything Gutierrez can really do to get over. And then he lands that flying knee in a couple minutes and the emotion afterwards and how he handled himself in the aftermath. I think he actually got over a little bit. I think he actually did not to the point where the UFC probably wanted him to, but I think he got a little bit of a rub, even with Frankie face first in the mat like that, which nobody wanted to see. But I think Chris actually got over a little bit. So, yeah, tough for Frankie fans. And I think we now realize like, now Frankie can go on to the next chapter of his life and be dad and husband and maybe be a great coach someday. And love to see Frankie maybe on the desk a couple times, get him in there to, to do those desks during the fight nights with Karen Bryant and company. That'd be pretty cool. But yeah, tough, tough to watch. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's go to Latino Heat. Ahead is on deck. Mm, hello, big fan of the show. Um, I just wanted to see your opinion or hear your opinion on... Hasim Rotman's opponent Vitor Belfort pulling out and now apparently Dan Hardy is the new opponent that he's going to face do you think that's going to be more of a challenging fight than Vitor Belfort because he's younger and he's and now that he's in BKFC so he's been having boxing training of sorts and and this is an opinion not a question I truly believe Isanya does not deserve a rematch against Alex Pereira Especially after losing him three times, and he d- and Robert Ritter should be the next guy up. Thank you. Have a good day. Um, I'm trying to find this this Dan Hardy news. 
Um, yeah, I saw Vitor's out. Honestly, I, I don't care at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I really don't. I really hope Dan Hardy's not fighting Haseem Rockman. I have no interest in watching that. I had little to no interest in the Vitor thing just because – I don't know. The the way Vitor handled the whole Holyfield thing, I just it was just left such a bad taste in my mouth. Like it really did. And I really hope Dan's not fighting Hasim Rockman Jr. I don't want to see it. I haven't seen anybody really report it. Um So yeah, I hope that's not actually happening. The Vitor thing left a bad taste in my mouth because he knocked out a 58-year-old man who shouldn't have even been fighting, and then he celebrated like he just knocked out Mike Tyson in 1991 and won the title. And the thing that really got me was I obviously was there covering that event, and I did that interview with Holyfield that got people talking a lot. And then I did the interview with Vitor after his open workout, and... I asked him because it was like right it was it wasn't long after the first Jake Paul Tyron Woodley fight, and I asked him about what his thoughts about Jake and and that fight, and he was just like, it, "It is shameful that I'm even being in the same conversation in the same sentence with those guys. It's shame on you for even asking me that question, putting me in there with Jake Paul. Like, no, I have no interest in that." And then after the after he knocks out a 58-year-old Evander Holyfield who shouldn't have been fighting, he calls out Jake Paul for a fight that there's just no way it's going to happen. I'm like, are you serious? After all that, after everything you said about Jake Paul, now you're going to call him out and try to get that bag? No, absolutely not. So him fighting Rockman, I would look and see if there was a result, but no interest in watching it. And if Dan Hardy's in there, no disrespect to Dan, I have even less interest. Dan Hardy is going to be outweighed by like 50 pounds against Haseem Rockman Jr. I have zero interest in watching that. So I hope that is not true. I hope that is not true. Let's go to Ahid. Ahid, what's up, buddy? Mike, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, I can. Okay. So firstly, I wanted to... And just actually mourn, like everyone else here, mourn the death of uh, Anthony Johnson. The thing is, um, in terms of like favorite memories of Anthony, what stands out to me is UFC 202. Not when he knocked out uh, Glover Teixeira, which was crazy. I'm talking about afterwards. The way he carried himself was just an epitome of class. The way he said thank Glover for not many antics the way Connor and Nate were but also he actually told the crowd to stop booing Daniel Cormier he went out of his way to do that I think that's what shows um, um, Anthony Johnson and the character he is uh, uh, he was but um, yeah I, I think that one positive that came out of the death his death is that at least he's not suffering anymore because we know he was physically ill for a while and of course, the first option is we want him to make, we'd have wanted him to make a full recovery. I think it would have been selfish of all of us if we just wanted him to stay alive and suffer. So at least it's, uh, at least it's over. Um, and 
and the things like one thing as well mma fighting like i just feel like the instagram posts announcing anthony's death could have been like a little bit it, looked, it could have taken whoever wrote that could have taken 10 more seconds to literally construct a coherent sentence and show a little more emotional intelligence than just um just saying anthony johnson dead at 38 that that's personally my thing like as in because other outlets weren't doing that they were kind of just it, they were being a bit more sincere about it but talking about usc 281 now aaron blanchfield is my hero she, we should call her aaron blanchfield namaka medoff because wow like there are levels to this she mauled molly she brushed her shoulders off after being booed by the disrespectful new york crowd and also with, God, with regards to the main event, Mike, I don't think we should have a rematch. We shouldn't have a rematch because, Mike, when we're going to have another fight, we're going to have a trilogy if Izzy wins. That's so stupid. We should have, this is what we should do uh, as a matchmaker, UFC's unofficial matchmaker. Do uh, Herrera versus Whitaker because Whitaker's probably going to smack Costa. And then we do Chimaev versus Izzy. And you do like Colby Bilal in the welterweight division. Because that, that's, that's a good way to match it up. Um, and like, Mike, were you saying, oh, it's so incredible how Izzy has handled this, come out, like, uh, post immediately post-fight? Yes. But when he was doing all these interviews, he was saying stuff like, my knee was hurt, and all this other stuff, like, I wasn't out. Mark, like, he said, I agree with the stuff, but they didn't really. And I, I, I don't really agree with how he handled it, like, like in these interviews afterwards. And lastly, Mike, I've been waiting to say this for some time. Izzy said Alex was going to leave him. Izzy said he was going to leave Alex frozen like Elsa. But instead, Alex left him sleepy like Sleeping Beauty. Drop the mic, Mike. Uh, thanks, Ahead. Yeah, the Blanchville, Blanchville performance was great. And I love how she brushed the dirt off her shoulders too. I thought everything about it was fantastic. They're going to do the rematch, man. Like they're just going to, it's too much money on the table. And if Izzy wins, they're going to do it a third time and it'll be even more money. It's, it's a business thing. I get what you're saying. And even Izzy said, like, I'll fight him. I'll fight prayer again. Even if he loses the belt, that fight's going to be there. And if they could do it for the belt, still do it for the belt. It's going to be there. What was the other thing you said that I had an issue with? Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of people, like, here's, here's what's interesting about this fight. A lot of people have forgotten that Adesanya was, if he had, like, six more seconds in that round when he had Pereira hurt, we're not having this conversation right now. Like, he hurt Pereira bad. And if he had more time, probably would have put him away, which is crazy. But timing was on Mr. Pereira's side. And that's it. He didn't finish him. Pereira got the finish in the fifth. And, and I don't have an issue with Adesani saying, like, hey, I could have been – I was okay. But he even said – after talking to my coaches, I don't have a problem with the stoppage. But any other fighter in the same position could be like, you know what? No one's going to say, no, nah, Mark Gardner's the best. He was right. I was done. No, no fighter on the planet is going to say that in that situation after losing the belt and, and all of that. No one's going to say that. 
Let's go to QP. QP. Yeah, I should have turned my mic on. What's good, Mike? How you doing, man? Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not feeling all the Izzy slander this morning, and the reasoning behind a lot of it is like asinine. It's like it's not even making sense. Um, that's the second person in a row that said he don't deserve a rematch. I understand if you don't like him, but you got to respect the accomplishment. He didn't turn down any fights. He made all his fights look easy. This giving Whitaker a rematch, like, did, did they forget that he lost to Izzy twice? Co- very convincingly, maybe the second time it was a little closer, but, yeah, I'm just not understanding that. But I came on to X as an Izzy fan, like, as an MMA fan, this is my first heartbreak, like, watching a fighter that I really love fight and watching him get finished. Um, how do you think Izzy fares against, like, taller, fi- like, like, fighters that outweigh him and that are taller than him? Because I just feel like, I feel like he a little hesitant on 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 pressing go as far as when it when it gets to those later rounds. Like when he has to be the one that's the aggressor. I feel like when the fighter is the bigger, it's just hard for him. Even when he fighting like a like a smaller fighter, I just feel like it's it's hard for him to get around. Like if you if you look, obviously Alex is taller than him, and he was reaching up to to land a lot of those punches, which is making it harder for him to sit down on him. It's just like, do you think that that's a struggle? Like, do you think that? He's been so dominant, and this is coming from a fan. Do you think he's been so dominant because he's he he has the physical advantages on most of his fighters, or you think that it's just I don't know, like him being not having that power aspect of his game? Like, what do you think about 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 you know that part of Izzy style? Thanks, man. Yes, and uh, as uh, you being a fan of Izzy, it was it's probably rough for you to watch. Oh man. Izzy, I mean, look, Izzy looked good in the fight. If I have one knock on his performance, I actually, I actually agree with Dana White. I actually agree with Dana White. Izzy won the fourth round, but he also took his foot off the gas. Like, he had a chance to really steal all of the momentum. Like, he had momentum, but you still felt like, even after that fourth round, that Alex was, was, in, the, was in the fight. Like, he was in it. And Izzy could have turned on the gas. You could see Pereira was, was slowing down a bit. And Izzy just cruised. And that, to me, was a massive turning point in the fight. He still won the round, and he still was seemingly on his way to winning, but he had a chance to really take that power bar of Pereira down a, a notch in that fourth, and he didn't do it. So I think he's going to go back and rewatch that round and think to himself, man, I could have, I could have turned it up a little bit more. But I also understand as well, like you're 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 crew, you're winning. Pereira's power is still a factor, but all you, you really just boosted that energy bar back up for him in that fifth round. And credit to Glover and Pereira's corner for just giving him that great speech to to really fire him up and put it in his head, like, dude, you you're losing. You have to finish, or that's it. Do you want to be a world champion? You got to knock him out. And he went out there and did it. So. Just a crazy fight. The whole rematch thing, like, I don't know if people are saying, like, he doesn't deserve a rematch. Because if you're saying that, then you're wrong. Because he definitely deserves a rematch. I think people, this comes in ebbs and flows. It comes in waves in MMA. Where some people, like, you're just cool with immediate rematches. And then other times you just see it so many times. You're just like, oh, I'm getting sick of these immediate rematches. Like, let's open it up and... Give these other guys a chance, and I get, I get that, I get that argument, but it's just, it's just a different thing. Like again, 
if Pereira went out there and knocked Izzy out in the first round, I don't think people are clamoring for a rematch at all at this point. But the fact that Izzy was winning and then gets knocked out in the fifth, it's the same reason as it's the same thing as the Usman Edwards rematch. If if Edwards went out there and kicked him in the face in the first round, I don't know if people are clamoring to give Usman a rematch. Like maybe just Usman was had won all this. I don't know. But we're, I don't think we're having the same conversation. Just the fact that Izzy won or was winning, he was three minutes away from defending the belt, putting that one behind him for the time being, and then to have him lose in the fifth like that. I still think there's questions. I want to see him fight again because I have questions. I have questions. And Izzy came out as the favorite in the rematch, which doesn't surprise me. But I want to see it again, sure. I just have a lot of questions. I didn't get a, a ton of answers. Let's go to on-topic MMA. We got, what, D-Rocks, Julio, the Am, and one other person. I believe it's uh, Barbarusa. So those are the five we're going to get to before we got to go. But on-topic MMA, you're up. Hey, Mike. Uh, I'm usually in here on my other account, Joe. Um, I just wanted to say it's not Dan Hardy. It's Greg Hardy that stepped in to fight Rockman Jr., um, and I got in the space late, so I don't want to hit any topics anybody already hit. But I think Whaley and Lamosh will be in the next fight, and I'm really excited about that fight. Uh, but that's it. I just wanted to say it's not Dan Hardy. That that fight wouldn't work very well. But it is Greg Hardy. I don't know the date, but it's on Tapology reported to be scheduled. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. All right, well... I mean, I'll be honest, I don't love that either, but it's better than Dan Hardy, that's for sure. Uh, at least they're somewhat in the similar weight class. Let me pull up. Um, let me see if I haven't. I thought I knew I looked at it earlier. There we go. Is it in there? Hold on one second. Sorry. Yeah, I just saw. I think I just saw the press release. Wow. Okay. Greg Hardy's going to fight Hasim Rockman Jr. Very strange, I guess. I... Yeah, very, uh, very interesting. Yeah, but I'm glad it's not Dan Hardy. Holy shit. That would have been a nightmare. Let's go to D-Rocks. D-Rocks, hello. Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? Good. I was just asking, uh, I was just I was going to say if there's, poss- there, if there's a possibility if Alex fights somebody else first before he fights uh, Izzy, because I know Izzy mentioned that he was going to try to get some rest and time off before he fights again. Um, I don't know. It's risky to fight. Like, I wouldn't throw him in there with, like, Hamzat or anything. But, I mean, it, it all depends on... It all depends on timing, I guess. So, we'll see how this Whitaker-Costa fight plays out. 
And if you do Pereira versus Whitaker, I, I mean, I'd be all right with that if, if, if Izzy's going to be out for a little while. Like, if Pereira wants to go and Whitaker's ready and Adesanya's going to be out another, like, five or six months, then cool. Like, that's fine. That's fine. But it's on Adesanya. If he's ready to come back and, like, fight in May, then you just do that. But if he's not, then go another route. I'm okay with that. Julio, hey, what's good up? morning. <clears throat> Has there ever been a more stoic, like killer face champion, let alone in the UFC as Alex Pereira? Like, I, I don't think obviously all UFC fighters are tough, but you just look at that guy and it's just like, man, what a scary dude. Like, remember when Connor said, he would invade Jose Aldo's favela on horseback and kill every man who, who is not fit to work. Like, he would run into Alex Pereira for sure. And that native, you know, attire and, you know, uh, spirit that he shows, like, it just goes perfectly with him. Has there ever been any fighter like that, that stone-cold killer look like like him? Uh, yeah, there's a bunch. I think, I mean, it's not the same, but I think... There are certain fighters you know that they're just they're about that life. And there are two on this card in particular. I think uh Pereira, Dustin Poirier is a little different. He's a little less stoic, if you will. But you look at Dustin Poirier and how he acts and like what he's like in the cage, like you could just tell that dude is about that life. Like Dustin is about that life. He's that dude. Robbie Lawler, another guy. Like you just you know he's about that life. Like he's about that fight life and kill or be killed and all that stuff. So, uh, but yeah, I get it. Like even prayer after he won the bell, like you have to you have to like force a smile out of this guy. It's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But yeah, he's 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 about that fight life. That's for sure. I, it, that dude ain't selling insurance after his fight career. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, hello. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Well, this was a great card. Apart from the seeing uh, uh, Frankie Edgar going out like that in front of his family, it was it was a perfect uh, card. And it surpassed the 280 by a mile. Um, it was also sad to see the uh, to see a uh, Ramble Johnson going um, at this age. But uh, back to the fight, to the main event. Uh, I think, I think finally, easy. Uh, just, just uh, he, he made his match in the in MMA in uh, this division. Because, in my opinion, I mean, everybody knows that he had the size ad- advantage over all other opponents that he beat already. But this one was the size of Pereira was huge. Um, I mean, he matched him everywhere, and he stuck to the game plan. Of, uh, uh, if Izzy did not take it to the ground, I think he would have been finished earlier than the, the fifth. Uh, this is my opinion. My question to you is, how long do you think Pereira, though, stays in this division? Because we saw that he didn't make weight until the last few minutes. How long do you think he can be? He can stick around in this division? And... Um, uh, uh, I want to circle back to Paddy Pimplet. So you said if he won his uh, uh, next fight, he could face um, Turner, Jalen Turner, who is number 10 right now. So if Paddy uh, goes and fights Turner and wins, and he gets to the, uh, to the top 10, 
Who is he going to beat after that? Thank you and have a good day. Thanks, man. So, I mean, so essentially I was asked, like, who do you do? Like, because I was defending the Molly versus Blanchfield booking because I felt like it was a win-win for the UFC. Someone's got to lose the fight, but either way, either Aaron gets a big push, like gets gets the notoriety amongst like the casuals and the semi-casuals that the hardcores were giving her because they all knew who Molly was. They all got to see how good Aaron was. Or Molly beats Blanchfield, finishes her, and then she either – I mean, you can just throw her right into her title fight if you want because you know the option. The time is kind of limited on on that push. You need to know, like, can we do this or not? We know she's a star, but is she someone who can fight for a belt? That's why you book this matchup. And that's why you book Patty versus Turner as well. And if, she, if he beats Turner, then he leapfrogs a lot of people. He, gets, he probably gets a number one contender fight or a title fight next. It's weird to say, but that's you, you need to find out if this guy's for real or not. Like, is he going to fight for a belt or is he going to be a mid-card star? And again, nothing wrong with that. He could have a spectacular career being a mid-card star and make a lot of money. Just throw him on UK cards and let him do his thing and get the reaction from the fans. Molly's going to be the same way. I don't think the loss hurts Molly. Like, I think it stings a little bit that she got just trucked over, but just throw her on there with another lower-of-the-pack flyweight in the UK. She'll finish her, and she'll be fine. Like, this doesn't, this loss doesn't hurt that bad. But Patty's going to be Jared Gordon first before we can have any of these other conversations. Let's go to Barbarossa. Good, how are you? Uh, I have a question about uh, Michael Chandler wanting to fight Conor McGregor. I think, uh, I've said it before, there is a couple fighters in the 155 division that didn't pay uh, their dues for the upcoming contenders. I think Chandler and Justin are and should fight uh, another contenders. And we have another guy who did everything we wanted from him and he wanted the McGregor fight and he was very active. And I don't think that Chandler would help a lot with the pay-per-views number. And the one person I'm talking about is Charles Oliveira. He fought everybody before getting to the title. He fought, I don't know, he was on seven or eight win streak. And right now, if he sits on his uh, position as number one contender, I don't, I don't think any one of us would uh, have a problem with that. So why Chandler and not Charles Oliveira? And uh, let's be honest, unless it's uh, Khabib or Nate Diaz, uh, Conor McGregor doesn't need help and the, uh, with the pay-per-view. Thank you, Mike. I get it. I get it. I just the reason why I have I am cool with Chandler Connor is because I think I think Oliveira kills Connor. <laughs> like I do. I think Oliveira beats Connor handily, and I think if, if Charles had beat Makachev, I think the UFC would have given him that wish to go fight for the belt against Oliveira because Oliveira's wanted it. But I think, I think Connor Chandler is more competitive and it doesn't have full on impact on the division. 
Like, Connor's always has an impact in any division he fights at, but if you just throw Chandler in there and they fight at 170, like, who's going to complain about that? Like, who cares? You don't have a ton left of Connor, anyways. By many accounts, he's only got a couple of fights left on this deal, so you might as well just max it out as, and get what you can out of him. Him versus Chandler is just a fun, like, you know, it's going to deliver. You know, it's just, it's going to be a fight that's absolutely unequivocally going to deliver. Not, and I think Oliveira, I think Oliveira beats Connor. So I don't know if they listen, if they did Connor Oliveira, I ain't going to be mad at it, but I just think you could just throw Chandler in there and it's like just two dudes fighting. And that's why I had a kind of an issue with the Poirier Chandler matchup to begin with. The fight was great in a vacuum. The fight ruled and the fight was better than anybody thought it was going to be. And the expectations were super high, but the fact that there was so much, there was so much on the line for those guys in this division didn't make a ton of sense to me, but now you throw Connor and Chandler in there. It's just two guys fighting. And I like, you know, just two guys fighting. This is not the same, but it's like Nate Ferguson, DS Ferguson. Like there's two guys fighting two guys. We know two guys. We like, they're just fighting each other and there's nothing on the line, but they're just fighting each other. And I'm more towards just two guys fighting at this point when it comes to those two guys, if we can get that. But listen, I'll, I'll, I'll watch Connor Oliveira every day. Of course I will. Let's go to Kat. We'll take a couple more and then I have to go. Hi, Kat, my are you there? question is, yeah, I am. Sorry, one second. I'm lagging a little bit. It's okay. Okay. So my question is for the lightweight division in regards to Benil Dariush. Do you think it's fair to him to make him either fight Dustin Poirier or Oliveira for the number one contender spot? Because uh, I feel like the UFC is kind of cucking him. I'd like to see him get that title shot. That's my question. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's tough to watch Dariush get passed over. But unfortunately for him, two things are against him. One, he's just had such bad luck with injuries and stuff because, and who knows, maybe this actually kind of worked out for him because he was supposed to fight Islam Makachev. And while I would be very excited to watch those two guys fight, and I hope we get to see it someday, maybe Islam just goes in there and trucks him. And then we're not even talking about Darius as a title contender. So maybe the injuries came at a, at a good time and that it sets it up to be even bigger. And then the other thing that hurt Darius is that he has this great win over Matush Gamrod. And he had the opportunity to get on the microphone and, and do something about it. I'm not saying, Darius, hey, Makachev, you're a piece of shit. I hate you. I'll kill you in a fight. But just, no, it's not him. But you just go out and be like, hey, Islam, you did an interview a few months ago, and you said that if I won the belt and then I beat Matush Gamrat, you feel like I'm the guy, that I should be the guy fighting for the belt. Habib is a man of his word. Are you a man of yours? If so, I'll see you in fill-in-the-blank month. There's not, it's not a trash-talky promo. That's just him saying, I deserve a title shot. Islam, you said I could have one. Are you a man of your word? But instead, what does Vidal Darius do? First, he just doesn't read the room with some of the things he said. And then the other thing he said was, eh, I don't care. I'll fight 10 more guys. No, why would you say that? What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, don't play Don't play the I'm holding out. Don't play the Yair Rodriguez card, but don't say that. 
Don't say I'll fight 10 more guys. Yeah, go fight Dustin. That's a big name. That's a bigger name than Gamrot. You, he beats Dustin Poirier. There's, in, in a lot of people's minds, there's nobody else. Darius is, is the dude and the only dude. And I think he beats Dustin Poirier. So that'd be a good win for him. And even, even when Islam, when they were still trying to figure out who Oliveira should fight next, and they went back to Dallas, and Poirier was like, I want to fight on that card. I'll fight anybody, somebody, anybody, just say yes. Makachev was coming off of the Bobby Green win, and we even talked about it on the show. I would suggest, like, hey, Islam, just go fight Dustin. Just say, all right, I'll fight you, dude. I'll fight you. And he probably would have smushed Dustin, and then there's your top five win. No one can doubt you getting a title fight anyways. In the long run, didn't matter anyways, because he got the title fight and destroyed Charles Oliveira. But I don't know. I actually think Poirier beating Chandler was the best thing that could have happened for this division. Because it takes Chandler out of the equation. Chandler's fun. Super-duper fun. But I just felt like he if he beat Dustin, he probably would have jumped Benny, and I hated that idea. Especially when you got stopped by Oliveira and then you got dominated by Justin Gaethje. Super fun fight. But Justin, Justin, Justin beat him outside of like one spot in the first round. Gaethje dominated Michael Chandler. It was fun to watch, but it wasn't a close fight. So to me, you have all these other guys in this division, and then you got the Fazeevs and the Sarukians and the Jalen Turners and the Ismagulovs and all these other guys, the Grant Dawsons, the Moicanos that are on their way up trying to get their opportunities. And I just feel like it's going to take forever for them to get them because it's the same dudes all fighting each other. Like, let's mix this up a little bit. All right, last, last one, Chris Chuapeng. This is probably, I probably screw that up and I apologize. Let's see if we can get him in. Are you there? Hi. 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 Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my question is um, how much money uh, can Izzy make for his UFC 281 match? Because I've never seen any fighter reading his detailed income. So yeah, I'm very, very curious about it. Thank you. How much will he make for that fight? I have no idea. I'm sure he's probably getting like a flat 500 to 750 on top of pay-per-view points. Maybe he gets a piece of the gate. I mean, whatever. If New York makes that information public, which I don't think they do, um, it's going to say he's making like five or 750 flat. But that clearly isn't the story because he'll make a bunch more. So my guess is probably making making a few mil. Made a few mil in that fight. Be my guess. He's the A side of the fight, and they sold out Madison Square Garden, and sure the the card did pretty damn good on pay per view. So, yeah, I'm sure he's getting the I'm sure he's getting seven figures at least in his bank account. Uh, he probably already does, and then he'll he'll get more when uh the pay per view buys officially come in. Yeah, financially, he's probably a damn good night for Adesanya. But now he doesn't have the belt, and 
the rematch will probably he'll probably make even more money because the pay-per-view buys on the rematch are going to be better than this one. So all in all, probably wasn't a horrible night for Adesanya. But I don't know. I, I no idea. No idea. All right, I got to go. A lot happening in the combat sports community. Uh, so stay tuned to MMAfighting.com for all of that news and all of that. We'll be back here on Thursday, and we'll do this again, 10 a.m. Eastern. Sure, there's still some 281 storylines to talk about. Uh, we'll come back on Friday as well. MMA Hour back again tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern. Line up TBD. You'll find out tomorrow morning. If it's anything like Monday's show, then we're in for a good one, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you all very much. I appreciate you. Back on Thursday. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Vox Media Podcast Network.